May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So the version of the resurrection story we heard today is Mark's version. And it's, well, it's a bit different from the other ones. So uh, I promise there'd be more chance to talk to your neighbours. So the first question that I'd like you to talk to your neighbours is, how is it different from the other ones? What did you notice? What differences did you notice? You've got about 20 seconds to identify all the differences you noticed. And then we'll see how you got on. So in John's timeline is resurrection, ascension, 
giving up his spirit, because it's his spirit in John's Gospel, all on Easter Sunday. So these Gospels are all different. Matthew's Gospel, the resurrection appearances are in which part of the world? Not in Jerusalem. Galilee. So they're different. And they're different because they're not trying to tell a history, like that's a bit frightening for us, but they're trying to tell a theology. They're trying to tell us about God's activity, telling it in a story. And so they told the story differently because they have different theologies at work. They have different things they want to tell us. It's not a bad thing. It helps us be more real, as Janet said. It helps us see God more clearly and God's work more clearly. So, back to the very short mark. So, the next question is, is this, do you think, how Mark intended it to finish? And if so, why did he make it so short? So you've got about another 30 seconds to talk about that. Is this how Mark intended it to be? And if so, why would he write such a short resurrection account? Have a go. Alright. So there is no right or wrong answer to this one. So how many people think that it was longer and we've lost to it? Put up your hands. Okay. There's a few people who think that it was longer, we've lost a bit. And clearly some scribes thought that because they helpfully provided us two other endings. And it's very clear that they are not written by Mark by the way that they are written. If you know how people write, you can then compare one thing written by someone and look at something else and go, it's a different person because of these things. So the two other endings that you have in your gospel, in your Bibles were not written by Mark. They were somebody who thought, this is way too short. <laughs> and, well, Matthew based his, like Luke, based his gospel on Mark. And Mark finishes with, I'm going to Galilee. And Mark, uh, Matthew is the one that talks about the resurrection appearances in Galilee. So they used Matthew to write some helpful endings for us. Because it just doesn't feel right, does it? It's very not finished. And it's not very tidy. The other Gospels are much tidier. They have much better ends. So there are a whole lot of people who think, okay, we've lost the end. The problem is, in all the old manuscripts, and they go back a long way, they have never found an ending. All the old manuscripts finish there. So that raises the question, why would Mark stop there? So, who, those of you who didn't put up your hands, why would Mark stop there? He got tired and forgot to write the written ending. Well, that's one answer. He got tired. No, that's, that's a possibility. He's here enough. Right. What he needed to do was confirm the resurrection. And that's what he did in those few verses. Right. Everything else people need to know was already said earlier. Right. So, okay, so everything else that we needed to know had already been said in the gospel. He had said enough. The resurrection was. This was the first gospel. 
Yes, but everything else that he thought we needed to know had already been said. I think he was a young and maybe wasn't there with some of the uh, well, he wrote 40 years, at least 40 years after the event, so he would have known them. And tradition says he was with Paul, so and others. Yes, at the back. Harris. So people, right, now that is a very, very good answer. What did she say, John? Because it allowed people to make up their own ending, and by that I want you to... So what have we been doing today? What have we been doing? We have been discussing, talking, wondering, why did Mark stop there? So you don't do that in the other Gospels. You read it, it's tidy, it's finished, it's a great story that happened in another place a long time ago. Kind of like Star Trek. But... But Mark doesn't want that. He doesn't want this story to be something that happened in another place to another group of people at another time. He wants, this is what what scholars say, he wants people to think about how they have encountered the risen Christ where they are. In his case, if tradition is right, in Rome. He wants the Roman Christians to go, oh, well, Jesus appeared to the disciples in Galilee, so what? He wants them to talk about, so he appeared in Jerusalem, he went before the disciples to Galilee, and then he went before the disciples to Rome, and this is how we have met Christ. The important thing is to not put Luke on top of this gospel. Luke has Jesus going on the Ascension. That is not in the other three Gospels. We need to hang on to that. So we could then go, well, how do we encounter the risen Christ? You know, I'll tell you about New Zealand. As Janet said, how are we made real by our encounters with the risen Christ? So Mark is inviting us to tell our stories. Our stories, not somebody else's stories. I've been reading a book by a Lutheran pastor from America. Uh, her name is Nadia Bowles Weber. Uh, she's a heavily tattooed, sober alcoholic uh, who uh, began a church in Denver that uh, was for people like her. And, uh, and then it kind of grew beyond that. Uh, and now she doesn't work there because she became world famous and now she spends her life touring the world while she did. I don't know what she's done for the last year. Um, talking to groups and she has podcasts and all sorts of things. And in her book, Pastor, she talks about the story of Esther being about God who simply keeps bending down into the dirt of humanity and res- resurrecting us from the graves we dig ourselves through our violence, our lies our arrogance and our addiction. And God keeps loving us back to life over and over and over. And some of her stories about that are very dramatic. There's her story of somebody who was an alcoholic who decided she was drinking too much and she went along to AA so she could learn to drink like a lady. 
And at AA she discovered that actually she was an alcoholic and she just needed to stop drinking. And in the process of becoming a sober, recovering alcoholic, she encountered a God of infinite love, so different from the God that she had grown up and taught about. God reached down into her grave and dragged her back to life. And as she was dragged back to life, she heard a call to be a pastor. This tattooed woman in her 30s. One of her parishioners had tried to suicide, and, uh, but he didn't quite lead out and was found. Uh, the police officers who found him were kind. His brother, who he didn't really talk to, came from Denver down to where he was, took him back to his house. He read in a newspaper about this crazy lady with tattoos who was running a church. And he went along, he'd never been to church, he didn't believe in God, he wasn't very sure about this Jesus dude. But in this body of people, he encountered love and acceptance. They loved him back to life. When he went to communion, he didn't understand it, but something was going on there, something about God's love that changed him. Still wasn't sure about this Jesus dude. But he kept going because God had reached down into the grave that he had dug himself and had loved him back to life. He knew that much. Those are big stories, but there are little stories. So I've been feeling a little bit down lately. Our numbers have dropped in the last year and for a whole lot of reasons. And, I mean, that's quite stressful as a vicar. And... uh, But last Monday at our service in the evening, we were having a conversation about something and one of our parishioners said, you know, for a little church, we do a lot in our community. And there was a moment where God reached down to the grave that I had dug myself and he loved me back to life. And I went, John, I've been preaching this for nine years. It's not whether this church survives. It's what we do. Whether we do what is ours to do at this moment, that's the important thing. And we've got to trust God for the rest. Otherwise, we'll spend our time just trying to keep the church going. And that has worked mostly nowhere. That little moment, I could just feel that burden lifting off me. So some of our stories are huge and big, and some of them are quite small. Moments where other people help become agents of God reaching into our lives and loving us back to life. So I'm going to invite you now to turn around and talk to your neighbours about our story where God has reached into your life and loved you back into life. And it might be huge or it might be really small. It doesn't matter. It's still a resurrection moment. It is what we are celebrating today. Oh, before I do that, I'm just going to point out that actually we sit on the site of, of a resurrection story. On this place. Underneath that altar where there was violence. And at the end of the violence, through maybe or maybe or maybe both of them and others, who 
offered compassion and mercy and more importantly water, life-giving water, became agents of God reaching down literally into those graves that had been dug and offering life and love. A resurrection story in our window. So, what are your stories? I invite you to turn around and have a talk for a moment with your neighbours. One story each. One resurrection story when God has reached into your life and dragged you back to life. does mean Jesus still was crucified. His disciples still grieved that enormously. They still lived in fear of what might happen to them. But despite that, because of the resurrection, because God had reached down into their lives and loved them back to life, they were able to know that God would win in the end. So that's what this cross represents. That God's love wins. God's love always wins. So I invite you to make your flowers and help us create this symbol of God's love always winning. <laughs> 